Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 115. Let's put on our solo sorting hats. Or oh, I'm a bear. Welcome back, Julius. How are you doing? Where was I? What are you talking about? Welcome back. To the show. Welcome both of us oh. back. I mean, I'm glad to be back, too. Oh, yeah. It has <laughs> been a whole long while since we recorded. Um, I know that you know, we recorded two uh, episodes basically back-to-back because we were trying to prep for Thanksgiving. That's right. And that was and, around uh, the 8th of November that we recorded that. Yeah, almost a month ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a while since we chatted. It has been a while. A lot has gone Hopefully on. Hopefully that means you got some good games in. A little bit. Not too, I, have, I never have time for games anymore. And that this. one, by the way, we recorded the second one, um, number 114. That was the hardest one to edit that I have ever done. What's <laughs> that? It was your turn to edit. Yeah, it was... There was like an audio bug or something that was like following everybody around. So it wasn't like I could just focus on one person's track. So I had to go through and I had to cut out so much of people's tracks to try and get this audio bug fixed. And it was, it was rough. Gosh, I mean, you know, I've, I've never done four. I've done three and it is hard. The more people you add, the harder it gets. It means to get exponentially harder. So I can only Yeah, especially imagine. once you get like a bug in there too. Mm-hmm. It just starts getting oh, worse. Gosh. Yeah, it, it seems you may have cut off some of the audio. I've been listening to the show, and there's a few things that got left out. Um, oh, no, really? Yeah, well, you know, that happens. <laughs> I, I would not try and go back. There's a conversation we we're having that I thought was interesting. We we're talking about, um, and it just came up, and we talked about Small World winning the Solitaire Game of the Year on BGG. And that whole part where we talked about the game and what it won is missing, and then after we are just talking about, like, wow, really? That happened? Um, so, so I knew what was going on, but I, I, others may have been confused. Oh, well, yep. oops. Yep, well, hey, that, that's... <laughs> I mean, I can maybe try and go back and find it, but... No, that's how we roll uh, here. Rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and once we start getting that professional salary, we'll start producing professional audio. Yeah, right. <laughs> and where is that check? I don't know. Um, what else? So, yeah, no, I have not been playing much new, but I have played some games. Um, let me look at my plays here. I've played some interesting oh, stuff. Oh, I forget. You keep track of all the stuff I that do played. in detail when I can. So fancy. You know, I put the who played, the scores, stuff like that. Um, going back, I played Elder Sign. I've been wanting to play Elder Sign and try some of the expansions. And every time I would pull it out, I could not figure out Ooh, the real Arkham stuff. Oh, yeah, I know you got Arkham horror but but so i finally played elder sign without any expansion so i could then go back and play expansions now that the rules are familiar again that was about a month ago so they're probably not familiar again anyway <laughs> but, and that's what keeps happening with that game i really want to play it more just it's hard to get back to it oh, mm. i played a game of black orchestra just once i played the goonies just once um i had my witch my kids watch the goonies maybe they'll get them into wanting to try out the game because it's a co-op do you think that's going to work? Um, we watch it during Thanksgiving break. They love the movie and they keep asking for it again. Um, <laughs> but we haven't had a chance to play it again. And I haven't mentioned the game to them because it just hasn't been time since we got back. Uh, I played more Lord of the Rings CCG. Um, I did pretty well on that. What else have I played here? Oh, I played Castle Panic. There's a new expansion that just came out, Siege Engines. I found that a lot of fun. That's pretty neat. 
Um, there's not three expansions for Castle Panic. I think this one is probably the lightest of the three so far. Um, but but it adds some neat stuff. I haven't mixed it in with the others yet. Uh, I got the expansion for Pandemic the Cure. Did you get that yet? I have not. Uh, okay, I, I broke down and got it. I was debating it because I kept hearing people saying it was kind of expensive for what you get. Maybe I don't think so. it's expensive for what you get because it's a whole ton of dice in there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a whole bunch of custom dice. I wouldn't expect Pandemic the Cure to be inexpensive. Yeah, but, you know, I think it's the same price as the base game. And the base game has the same number of dice plus a bag plus a couple big plastic pieces. Plus the big plastic pieces in the bag are relatively minor costs. It's all the custom dice that make yeah. up the majority of the cost. And, and, the, and cards. the expansion is always more expensive for its stuff than the um, base games. Yeah, but you know, I would never. I would have expected it to have been five or ten dollars cheaper, maybe. You know, base the number of cards that are missing and the plastic stuff and all that. That's five or ten bucks. Yeah, but you still have to give. There's more of a discount for a base game than there is for an expansion. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That makes they, sense because there's way more dice in the base game, and it's a bigger I, order I don't think because there's way more dice in the base game. Um, there must be because expansion had well maybe not. I don't know I haven't counted them I'm not gonna I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> but I um, like I think the I think the price is fair. I'm sure to pick it up at one point in time. It's one of my wife's favorite games, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that we're going to get it at one point. But I couldn't tell you when. Did you Did you find the game uh, easy, challenging? What do you think? Origi- the original one, yes. I find it relatively easy. Um, I mean, you okay. could put it on really hard mode. Like, there's the three different difficulties, mm-hmm. easy, medium, and hard. And so you could put it on hard mode, which is more difficult. But, you know, it's a it's a luck-based dice game. So things can go really wrong really fast or things can not. Yep. And it really is your, – your win-luck – your win ratio is really based on how well you roll and whether or not. Yep. So – Okay. Oh, so you you'll find this uh, definitely more challenging. So maybe maybe you should get it if you're getting bored of the. I'm, I'm bored, sure that easy. I'm going to get it. I'm sure that mm-hmm. I'm going to get it. But to tell you the honest truth, it's sitting waiting for a copy of Feasts for Odin to come in as well oh. and get lumped into an order. I see. Because okay. I still haven't been able to snag one of those. Okay. Well, well, I haven't played. It's, it brings two modules plus a bunch of new roles. I've only tried one of the two modules. No, the other one looks interesting too, but I haven't gotten to that. What else? Which one did you play with? With the purple dice? With yes, the, the purple green dice. dice. The purple ones. Yeah, there's two modules that I'm aware of. There's one that's purple dice, which is a new type of disease, which mm-hmm. has a di- the chance of times two and a minus one side. Yep. Which can make you remove a die from the game, or can make you draw extra dice, and adds more complexity to rolling for a cure. And then mm-hmm. there's the other one, which is really complex, uh, or in terms of the weight level of the game, it's much more complex, it looks like, than the rest of it. Okay. Where Having there's a whole the set of other green dice that have special things that they do, like it makes it more expensive to travel there or harder to do stuff there or move oh. dice around. and They do all sorts of different things. And you add it to the location, not to the bag, I think. Is that is Yes. That, yes, okay. I haven't tried that yet. There's also, the eight new rolls are interesting. They're all very different, um, which is nice. Um, and they each bring their own set of five dice. My only thing that I can complain about is I still have a copy of the first version of the base game, which mm-hmm. had the player cards with a little cutout on top, and the new ones don't do that. Yes, that annoys me. That really annoys yeah. me, too. The They had a little cutout to make it look like a little hang tag, an ID that somebody would wear, which I thought was really cute. 
Yeah, and but they don't do that. The newer versions of the game, like if you picked it up at the Barnes & Noble sale, you probably didn't have that. So the newer versions of the game don't have that. And so they didn't put it in for the expansion either, but they're not replacing... I mean, nobody's contacted me, and I, I've asked them if they will replace the, the hmm. older versions. They've not responded one way or the other. I don't know where they're holding with that. Okay. I imagine they will respond eventually. They seem to have been pretty good about it. Well, upset now they, they merged, didn't they, with... Uh... I mean, I did contact them while I think the whole merger was going on, mm, okay. and I haven't heard anything since. That's so been a while. Who knows? Okay. Well, I enjoyed it. I've only tried it twice so far, though, but I definitely enjoyed it, and I definitely found it harder. And it was already really hard for me. I did not find the game at all easy. So, Very cool. I, I tried Sans Elise, finally. Um, the war game. It's a war game. It's a card game that plays a lot like a standard solitaire game, sort of, at least in the layout. Yeah, I remember that one from Kickstarter. Okay. Yep. I played one game of that. I played the introductory game, not the advanced rules. It was okay. You know, and a lot of times that's how introductory games are. So I need to add all the more complex rules to make the game more interesting. Uh, I played Gem Rush recently. I played it today, actually. Now we're up to today. That's a neat little game from Victory Point Games. Um, mm-hmm. you, your hand management, exploring a board, and your your dwarves mining for gems. I'll leave it at that. I like it, though. Um, Star Wars Destinies. I bought that. I played with my son. He loves it. Is that a solo game? No, it's not a solo game. It's a cooperative, not a cooperative, a competitive two-player game, a, a collectible dice game, dice slash cards from Fantasy Flights, which is weird because they haven't done collectible stuff in a while. They sort of got out of the collectible, collecti- collectible business, and now they're back into it. Um, And it played Sentinels of the Multiverse again today. Boy, that was fun. I like that game. Oh, I play, I play so much of that, especially on the app. But yeah. My local group has started playing it more, more and more frequently, so I've started playing it local. But okay, I played at least once a week on the app. Uh, okay, yeah, I thought about the app today, but I just don't like it. I enjoy, I enjoy it. I still really enjoy the tacticalness of it, even though I, I'm sure making mistakes all the time and messing things up and going back and fixing errors and accepting that I'm just going to – to, to realize that I made it a, a benefit for myself and just go with it or maybe mm-hmm. hurt myself, whatever. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I'm excited about the new expansion coming out. I wonder when that is. It's supposed to be January, but I'm sure that'll slip. And that's about it. That's all I've got recorded and plays in like since November. That's it's funny that you February. keep such track of it. I'm, I'm not nearly as good about you keeping track of all those things. Well, it's easy because you know you could do it on your phone. The app is actually pretty good for keeping track of the stuff. Even if you just record the name of the game, I would have to do that though. Helpful. Like again, a lot of that I, I I play a bunch of games on Shabbos, but I can't access that. Mm, that's true. <laughs> but and, even if yeah. I'm sitting there playing at, at the table at uh, at my local store, I don't know. I, I would find it hard to be like, oh, let me just grab that and. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know. Yeah, it's you know it's actually come in handy a few times talking to a friend or something and. Trying to remember a game, or so, oh wait, let me go, let me see, go back. Oh yeah, I found it. We played it on this date, and then based on the date, we've been able to figure out things about like our lives or whatever. Well, I got I got <laughs> in a bunch of plays of Project Dreamscape recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was going away for Thanksgiving, and I know for me, I wasn't expecting to really enjoy my time away. Um, but. You know, I was going there for different reasons, but I did. The only game I brought brought with me was Project Dreamscape, nice little portable game, um, mm-hmm. solitaire friendly still. 
and uh, the idea of Project Dreamscape is you're navigating your Tableau and building up a Tableau to try and make a running set of matching icons, and you get points if you can keep the set running for however long you can. And so I was getting, I got a bunch of plays in that over Thanksgiving. Um, I've also been playing Centauri Saga. I don't know if you recall this one, but it's a 4X game. It can either be played co-op or competitive. And, excuse me, no, it's only co-op. Um, I think that there's an expansion that makes it competitive, but it's only co-op. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty basic game, I think. Um, Eclipse-ish style, but simpler. I'm not convinced that it's completely beatable. It seems like it's a really difficult curve to beat. I'm not convinced. I'm really concerned about how its level of beatability. Hmm. Okay. Because you have like ten rounds. Like there's one. There's one scenario where you have like ten rounds to get. Essentially, you have ten rounds to get ten points. But the only way you get ten points is by having a structure active, and you get one point for every structure active minus one point for every boss that's active and to be able to get enough points you have to build those structures and get the bosses out but there's not enough time to do all of that and still get all the points because you only get a maximum of one shot at points per round Hmm. so i'm i'm finding it really difficult to beat and it's i'm not i'm not loving it yet we're gonna give it a couple more plays but i'm not loving it right now okay yeah that sounds like that could be frustrating either but I'll tell you one game I've been playing a whole bunch of, and I'm really loving, is the Arkham Horror card game. Oh, yeah, that game. Yeah. Yeah, until you Albert, like it. Huh? Yeah. I, I don't want to get it. I really don't want to get it. It's a lot of fun. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I went back and played more Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know, if I could catch up and play that completely, and so I've played all scenarios, and I could go and get the other one, but... Good luck with that. (laughs) No, I'm really enjoying it. I I picked up a copy of the core box. I'm probably going to be picking up a second copy too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also picked up the Curse of the Rougarou, which was a mini Mm -hmm. print-on-demand expansion that they released at Arkham Knights. Yep. And I've played through all of those least twice, three or four times with some of those. And I just finished uh, yesterday another playthrough of The Curse of the Rougarou. And I thought this was going to be... The, I, I thought I was actually going to be successful in defeating the Rougarou. I have not yet beat that guy. Hmm. And I thought I was going to be successful. And I had a, I was playing with one other person. And that other person had already been killed in the course of the scenario. And I had... I was playing with skids... And I had got a talent that was I was going to use to buff up my fight to be able to take out the Rougarou with one more shot by discarding a knife. For anyone who's played the game, they'll probably be familiar with the sort of stuff I'm saying. But I was going to be discarding a knife to do a bit of extra damage to the Rougarou. And the, when you're playing the game, there's a chaos bag. Instead of like rolling a dice to see your success, there's a bunch of tokens that are in a bag. And you have to reach in there and you pull out a token, and that modifies your skill level, which determines your success. If you get enough with your skill level plus the modification is higher or equal to the difficulty of what you're doing, then you're successful and you can deal damage. So all I needed is one success to have one. And this was a hard slog to have gotten to this point. I needed one mm. success to win. Wow. But if I didn't win, this was just about it. This was game. 
And mm-hmm. so I threw nine resources to bump up my skill level plus nine. And so I was at plus 11 going into this fight. And the only way I can lose is if you draw a tentacle token. In the bag, there is one that is an auto fail. There is, uh. it, it's, it's counts as an auto fail. No matter how buffed you are, it's automatically a fail. And in Rougarou, it's a 1 out of 24 chance to beat it. And the to- the Chaos Bag is different for each scenario. Mm-hmm. And Rougarou has a harder Chaos Bag than the core box. And it had really been beating me up so far. But all all I needed was to not draw that Tentacle token. Oh, all I needed was to God. not draw it. And it's a 1 out of 24 to not draw it, and then I win. And so I was playing with the other guy, and I reach in the bag. I'm holding my hand out. My hand's closed. I'm like, it just has to be not the tentacle token. <laughs> and I slowly open my hand, and it was the tentacle token. <laughs> Which meant That's that terrible. the bad guy deals back damage to me, and I go down, and that was it. And the Ruguru runs off and goes and slays people. Oh, God. That's, that sounds fun. I mean, that, that was a tense, tense game. Oh, yeah. That's cool. It was, it was amazing. It was really good. So I'm I'm really digging Arkham Horror hmm, okay. the card game. It's a and lot of fun. And the first expansion's coming out. The first big expansion's coming out soon. In like ten days, I think yeah. it's I think it's supposed to be here around mid December. I don't have okay. any more information about that than anyone else. But it's supposed to be here mid December. I don't know. I I mean I really want to start building better decks. In order to build better decks, you're going to need a second core box at this point in time to expand mm-hmm. your potential for building stronger decks with one deck it's still with one box rather it's a lot of fun to experience the scenarios and go through it but if you want to get more into it which is why i got the game is because i want to get more into it and so if you want to get more into it right now you'll need another core box okay so i i intend to do so and start building and hopefully i'll have a better time killing that ruger yeah, I or saw that saving him. The my game store now has a uh, game mats, Arkham Horror game mats. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The Fantasy Flight ones. Yes. For this game, they look nice. I was tempted to get one. They do uh, look nice. I know I've seen them on uh, Fantasy Flight, but they're expensive. Yeah, they're like twenty dollars each. Twenty five. The the one that's oh. the big one is twenty five dollars. Oh, that's the okay. One I get. Here we go. Dunwich Legacy is still on the boat. As of uh, end of November. You never know. According to, so it may have landed. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. The, you never uh, know. But it is at the top of their list, which means it's on the boat close to landing. So yeah, that probably landed this week. And then we'll two see. weeks later, it's in the stores. We'll see. <laughs> not that I checked this obsessively or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I've understood their shipping process. But another game I've been getting mm-hmm. a bunch of plays in um, has been, I've gotten in some other ones, Haze Islands, that I'm probably going to talk about more um, once I've gotten a couple more plays in of it, but it's a print-and-play game for one to three players. And it's a pirate-themed game where you're trying to use icons to complete things to get more icons to um, basically score a lot of points by the end of the game. I'm really enjoying that one. That one's going really well for me. I, I mean, I have some slight like niggly points about get, about playing it, but it looks really like a lot of fun so far. And 
Um, another one, Ascended, that I'll probably talk about more later. But one that I've really been playing a lot is Vast, the Crystal Caverns. Hmm, okay. You recall this one? Mm-hmm, yep. I've seen a lot on BGG lately. I definitely want to mention this because it's currently up on Kickstarter. And it's got another uh, two weeks from when we're recording, so it's going to be finishing on December 18th. And okay. it is way past its funding goal. They The player count is listed at 1 to 5. It's a very unique game. It is very asymmetric. Like, usually you say something is asymmetric, like everyone has a special power, but everyone does the same basic thing. That is not the truth of this game. Everyone is playing their own game. There's the knight, the goblins, the dragon, the thief, and the cave. And each of those roles has a different goal. The cave has to put tiles out to expand and once it's fully expanded it has to collapse and kill everyone so it has to keep everyone alive until it can collapse and kill everyone Mm. the knight has to kill the dragon the goblins have to kill the knight the dragon has to wake up eat the goblins and get out through the entrance of the cave so that's you know like a three-way triangle of them fighting each other Mm -hmm. and the thief is meanwhile mixing it up and stealing treasures and each of them, they all have a player board, but they all interact in very different ways. The go- the knight is using an action selection mechanic. The dragon is using a card um, selection mechanic. The goblins are using a push-your-luck type of game. And the thief is using a token selection mechanic where he gets more powers based on the tokens that he's using. And they're all running very different ways to run around this board. Hmm. Okay. Which means that really, when I'm playing this game with people, I will essentially hand everyone their own rule book, and I will say, okay, read your own rules, which for everyone's about two pages. Read your own rules, figure out how to play your game, and then we'll come back and we'll all play the game together. Because you can't like explain the rules to everyone like you would for a regular game. You have to just let everyone learn their own rules. Which is, and so they, they, they included a rule book for each player in there. Plus, yes, I imagine, one main book. Yes. Is there... Okay. That's cool. That's a neat idea. It's it's really fun multiplayer. Um, as long as you have some people who are willing to sit down and figure out the rules, because since everyone's learning their own rules, it's it's you know difficult for everyone to do that. But as long as everyone's willing to learn their own rules, you can do it. And at five players... It's really fun because then everyone is represented. At t- three or four, it's also a lot of fun. Some of the the roles drop out, and you'll sometimes have to like sub in special things to semi represent them. Mm-hmm. But the game says it goes one to five. I'm gonna go on yeah. record. I don't think it works one player, except for the knight. Each player, again, because it's all different, each player is doing something different. The knight is a really basic game. You draw a tile, build a cave, go around, try and find treasure, and try and get back while you still have enough time. The knight is a really simple, simple game playing solitaire. There's no real challenge or difficulty or decision-making. It's a really simple game. It works. It's not particularly fun, because it's not really challenging, but it at least works. I do not think there's no solitaire variant for the cave that is published. I know the designers have said that they have some solitaire variants that aren't published, but there's nothing published. But 
for the other four, for the goblins, the dragon, and the thief, I don't think the solitary variants for those work at all. I think the dragon is the most egregious. So I'll just talk about that one because I think it's the best one to bring home the point. The way the dragon normally works is you have to eat the goblins or do other things to grow in power until you can get out. Mm -hmm. But without anyone else on the board, none of that is really present. There's no one there to eat. So you have to use these like side mechanics to move tokens around as if you ate. And then you don't get to use almost all of your powers have no effect. The only thing that really has an effect is you're just trying to light up the cavern and move on. But you have a whole big player board full of things to do. Maybe 5% of that is really relevant. And you're hamstrung because you have to go through these sideways, backwards methods to get stuff done. And it's not fun. It's it's nowhere near the level of fun that I got playing the full game with everyone represented. With Solitaire, when I'm playing these games Solitaire, I almost always am running up against where's the rest of the game? Mm-hmm. If I were playing this only side, I never would have felt all of the interactions. Maybe I'd be okay with it, but even then, I'm staring at this player board. I'm like, nope, can't use that. Nope, can't use that. Nope, can't use that. With Goblins mm-hmm. also, there's half a deck of secrets. Half a deck of secrets that aren't useful to me. With the Thief, I can't go steal treasures or mess with other people or grab stuff. I just have to run around grabbing treasures. And there's a whole player board full of stuff that is useless. And it's not fun. It's not fun mm. staring at all the stuff that is no use. Wow. So so it's not even like, you know, buy it for the multiplayer, but play it solo occasionally. It's just- Buy it for the multiplayer. I, I'm not playing okay. it solo at all. Yeah. Well, you're not the first person I've heard say this. I heard this the other day on a Table for One podcast. The same thing. They said, oh, it's a fantastic game. It's awesome. It's great. Just terrible solo. Terrible solo. Terrible. I think that if they would have done something like um, taking some Automa decks or something to represent goblins or, you know, one Automa deck that would have everyone else does these things. And if you are this one, don't do this one. Just do all the other ones. If there was an Automa deck moving other things around so that you could play as if there were other players, great, grand. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. It's not there. With all the other Hmm, stuff that's in the box, I'm amazed that's not there. You know, they have a special, they have role variant cards for everyone so that you can increase the difficulty of each card because, you know, when I play, I'm much more skill because you know i've played it a whole bunch than someone's playing for the first time so i'll give myself the hard or the super hard variant they they threw in 25 cards of that i don't really think there was a need for that i think that could have been in the rules somewhere instead of having variant cards and those 25 mm-hmm. variant cards could have been on a tomba deck and that would have fixed a lot of it but it's not there and i think for solitaire it's honestly not good at all it's I cannot recommend it for solitaire play. I have if you are a, one of the listeners who like me plays a lot solo but a lot multiplayer. This is a game you really need to experience multiplayer, um, because it is so unique how wildly asymmetrical it is. But if this is just for solo, you cannot get it. I cannot recommend it. Hmm. Okay. So the reason why I was bringing this up specifically now is because they're running their Kickstarter for a second edition, which lets you purchase also miniatures. Um, The original game had both cardboard and shaped meeples. I think the shaped meeples are 
a bad method of playing. <laughs> I don't like using the shaped meeples. I think the sizing are off on them and the sleeping dragon looks like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> so I use the cardboard tokens. And so the meeples, the, the, um, minis, you know, you've, you've heard me before. Don't really interest me. Meh. <laughs> But they're optional now in this edition. So the minis are optional. And they're fixing some of the rules and putting in a little bit of extra rulebook and fixing some of the things to make it smoother. So, you know, now it's your chance to get a copy of it. And if you're interested in playing multiplayer, go ahead and get it. But they're not anything new for the solo player. No. At least, unless they haven't revealed it yet. No. Well, I don't know, but they've they've revealed their stretch goals up to 400,000. And they're about halfway there, a little more than halfway. So, yeah, hmm. that's a shame. No, I mean, there's nothing in there about an Atama deck. It would require hey, it would a require duck. redesigning. <laughs> it's not designed. I see the duck token. You see the what? Oh, the duck the token? The duck token. It looks like a <laughs> duck, right? Duck meeple. <laughs> that's funny. Looks like a red duck. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I mean, also, the treasure, there's meeples for the treasures. Those meeples for the treasures are as tall as the knight. And I'm like, what? <laughs> why Why is the knight so teeny? If, it, if the knight would have That's been funny. as tall as the cardboard tokens, fine. But the knight, the knight is as tall as the treasure. So I'm like, that doesn't work. Okay. I'd seen this game in BGG a lot, and I keep seeing people mention it. But the I've, I've ignored it because of the cover art, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. I like the art. Yeah. It's a fun design. I, had, I like the art. I hadn't looked at it closely, you know. A quick glance, and it just seems very. I I don't know. The colors just they bothered me, and I didn't look closely at all. Really, I really yeah, like I didn't even know art. what the cover was. I really like it. Yeah, I I don't know why, but just you know the colors. I just didn't even bother focusing on what the image was, just because seeing the colors and the title. And now I'm looking at it, and it's yeah, it is kind of cool actually. So I, I don't know, you know, it's just. Me and the design, for whatever reason, just don't agree. I'm not sure what to call that art style, the the pencil type art style. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really like it. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. It's a really nice art style, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, I've liked pencil stuff other times, too. I don't know. Maybe. I'm going to go out on Lim Albert here and say you're just wrong. (laughs) I am wrong, just flat out wrong. It's not even an opinion. It's just wrong. You're saying the art is not good. I. I'm not saying that it's not good. It's just that when I'd see it, I would lose interest in it because of the... Is the second edition different cover than the first? No, I don't think so. Unless the, okay. unless they've announced somewhere that it is, but I don't I don't think so. I mean, I know that they've added two more rules in the second edition. They've added the ghost and the ghoul, and I think that at this point in time, they're about to unlock another role, like the nightmare unicorn or something like that. Yes, hmm. the nightmare unicorn. They just unlocked that one, another role. And so... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I tell you, when I've looked at it, it's been a small icon on a geek list or something, and and that size, it's gonna be hard to make out the details. So I just stopped looking at it. Didn't try and make out details. That's probably what it is. There you go. So this is still funding, right? If you are interested, and it ends in December eighteenth. Anyway, let's talk about Wizards Academy. Okay. So tell me about Wizards Academy. Who made it? Why? (laughs) Why? I could not tell you. (laughs) 
why is beyond me. But Wizards Academy is a game put out by 3D Total Games. Um, you asked me who made it. Well, fortunately today I happen to have the box in front of me, so that's the sort of question I can answer. Hopefully okay. by turning over the box. Gregory Carl's Law. Carl's Law? Sure. Gregory Carl's <laughs> Law. Um, in Wizards Academy, I bet you can guess, you are wizards in an academy. Um, I know that I've brought this out a couple times. People are like, is this like Harry <laughs> Potter? It doesn't feel like Harry Potter to me because there is no one else in the academy and everything is going wrong. And you'd think that before the academy fell to, you know, absolute ruin, if there were teachers around, I'd imagine they'd come by and do something to fix it. But the implication I have is that, no, if, if everything falls apart, then you know, you've totally ruined the Academy. So I've always assumed this is like graduate level studies or something. (laughs) And you are the only people on campus. You are graduate students trying to work out deeper theories of science in this secluded Academy. And you're the only ones there, which is more fun for me than Harry Potter, because the idea of it being school, as opposed to it being graduate level studies, it's more interesting for me to have (laughs) it be graduate level studies. I don't think it's just one way or the other in the rule book, but by golly, for me, this is graduate students. It's not Harry Potter. <laughs> cool, okay. I mean... This is the College of Magic. There, there must be college in Harry Potter's world. I don't know. They s- sort of skipped those books. Well, they didn't skip those books. They never got up to it because Harry Potter ends at 18. But there are college-level studies, and they do talk about it some because Hermione was talking about doing her owls and going off to do whatever higher-level studies there are. Um, so there is in the books, but this is not that. This is not, this is not really Harry hmm. Potter at all in any way shape or form this is more pure fantasy because this is set in some fantasy area you don't really ever interact with the rest of the world you're only ever in the academy but your characters are like bears and goblins and imps <laughs> and very fantastic and fairies very fantastical creatures um going around planar rifts and summoning doom and demons and goblins very fantastical. It is wow, okay. A, it is an action selection game where on your turn, the core of your choices will be that you have a move action, a room action, and a magic action. The board will be it's a modular board. There's going to be a bunch of tiles, sixteen parentheses, seventeen room tiles that make up the board. And each game you will randomize where the rooms are on the board. And Different rooms have different doorways to allow you to move around the rooms. So one of your actions each turn is to move from one room to the other, if you wish. Another, Do you use all the tiles every game, or just you, some of them? You use all the tiles every game, but the layout is random. The okay. next thing that you can do is you can use the room actions. Different rooms have different things that they do. The primary thing you're going to be doing in every room is to grab these glyphs, which are these small cardboard tokens in one of seven different colors, themes. Unclear to me, the, the glyphs are never actually named in the rule book. I call them red, yellow, blue, and then I name them by their shape. So at that point in time, there's then the W, the T, the X, the C. I don't know why it is that I use that naming, but that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone in my group who plays with me now uses that same naming system because, by golly, I've beat everyone over the head with it at this one time. (laughs) Um, So a main action you do, a main room action you do, is to grab a glyph. And the reason why is because there's going to be the room board and there's going to be the spell board. The spell board starts out the game with a bunch of these mini cards that are face down. (laughs) 
and it's a grid system. So you'll plot when you use two grids as a magic action, you'll spend two glyphs and you'll plot on the grid system, the intersection between those two glyphs and you'll cast that spell. And you'll start off the game with no clue what spell it is that you're casting. And usually about half or more of the spells on that are botches, which are bad spells. They do negative things like summon demons or goblins or put or set the building on fire or ice over rooms. <laughs> and some of them are good, but a lot of them are bad. And so you have no idea what it is. Essentially, you're a graduate student experimenting with these glyphs to figure out what it is that they do. And once you figure out what what they do, you now know it, but you have to flip that card back over face down. So now you have to remember it. Another room action you can do is to go and bind a spell. When you go and do another room action in the library to bind a spell, you'll point at one of the mini cards, one of the spell cards, and say, that is light, for example. You'll flip it over, and if you're right, great, it's bound, and you can continue to bind more. So you can bind six, seven, eight spells all in one turn. If at any point in time you're wrong, all the spells you bound that turn flip back over, and you lose one of the mana points from the um, academy. If you lose all of the mana points from the academy, then you lose the game and the academy crumbles. And everything bad in the game is trying to attack the academy and take out the points. Nothing can kill you because the academy, if ever you get hurt, it'll spend a magic point to bring you back. But everything wants to hurt the academy and tear it down. And so everything is trying to take away those mana points. So guessing wrong, doing a wild guess, is probably not a good idea. (laughs) Um, but that does mean that you have to have, there's a definite memory aspect to the game with that spell board because you, you have to remember what spells go where I've found sometimes playing solitaire. That's hard, especially if I'm playing solitaire at two in the morning, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, which makes memory even harder, which often Mm -hmm. makes things playing harder, but still fun. So there's a memory aspect to the game. I've definitely read some people online who just simply house rule away the memory aspect. I think that it's a core part of the game, but I'll get back to that in a sec once I'm finished describing more of it. So again, the core part of your choices, in the game are using three actions. You have a move action, which lets you move around. You have a room action, which is do stuff like bind or use other room actions or grab a glyph. If you go to a place that has those glyphs. Or And your third thing that you can do is a magic action, which is casting a spell by spending two glyphs and intersecting on a point. And magic actions can be room actions, so you can do three moves if you want, or you can do a move and two room actions. There, The book comes with a whole bunch of scenarios. I think it's like 15 scenarios. And some of them are actually expert scenarios. Let's see here. How many scenarios are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are ten scenarios. Six of them are basic, are, are standard scenarios, and four of them are expert scenarios. Um, the expert scenarios are hard. <laughs> but each of them comes with a different layout for what the spell board looks like, for special rules for the game, for how it is that you open up access to the different things. I have not even yet played through all of the scenarios and expert scenarios. So there is a lot of replayability in the game. Additionally, each of these scenarios comes with a harder mode. Um, I th- think those harder modes are stupid difficult. 
a, a lot of the times the harder mm. modes, like for instance, there's one mode that there's an inspector coming to the cat to the academy and you have to escort him around. If he ever goes to a place that has a threat and doesn't have a person there. So he'll jump back to the beginning. So you have to go through and you have to clear away all the threats. So all your goblins, your fire, your ice, you have to clear those all away. But you're not okay. allowed the you have the ability to get a staff, which lets you do one spell over and over for free, usually. If you're playing the expert mode with that, you can't use a staff, which means you can't clear away something repetitively. You have to come with other methods. Which means that if there's fire threatening like half the board, I can't go use my anti-fire spell and clear all of those away. Because I don't have access to a staff. I have been left wondering, well, how in the world are you supposed to beat it if you can't access the tools that you need to beat it? So those are stupid difficult. I, I, wow. I'm Hopefully at one point in time I'll become skilled enough to figure out how to beat those things, but they're stupid difficult. <laughs> well, okay. Now, do you have to play a scenario or is there sort of like a basic setup that is not a scenario? There, like where you just do it randomly? The first scenario is called Golem Construction for Beginners. You have to play with the scenario, but the first scenario is your most basic and, and generic one. So there's nothing that's just set up randomly. You have to pick one. But the scenarios aren't hard to set up and aren't hard to follow, um, especially that one. Okay. But there's nothing, just no scenario. You have to have a scenario. You're, the scenario is your goal for the end of the game. So the one of the main ways that threats come out is when you play botches. But the other main way that a threat comes out is these threat cards. One moment. I'm not called threat cards. They are called disaster cards. Um, they're, excuse me. They're not called threat cards. They're called disaster cards. But these disaster cards, before you begin your turn, you will play the disaster card you have in your hand, and you start the game with one, and draw another. And so these disaster cards can do all sorts of things. They'll flip rooms around, or they they too can summon more fire and ice and goblins and trolls and portals and all sorts of bad stuff or move abilities or items around or swap layers around all sorts of bad stuff happens in that deck and each turn you'll have one so you'll have until your next turn to prepare for the disaster card to sort of be aware for it coming there's also a set of disaster cards, which is wild magic. If you have not bound a spell by the time a wild magic happens, it'll shuffle all the spells in that spell group. So that's why you have to make sure that you're binding spells. So the disaster cards is the other main way that bad things come out on the board. And the basic way to lose the game is to have them all the mana points be lost. All the different bad things are essentially trying to attack it. If all the mana points are lost, then you lose the game. But there's also a timer in the game, because if you run through the whole deck of disaster cards five times, then the game, in, in all the scenarios basically, then the game is over and you're going to automatically lose. So you're also timed for how long you have to complete whatever task it is that the scenario has for you. So that is the basic rules of the game. Hopefully I was clear about all that. Okay. Yep. So let's talk about the components for a second. This game takes up 
um, a good amount of space on the board on the table, primarily because there's two big boards going on. There's the one big spell board, which is a whole layout of these small cards face down, and then there's another board that is the whole academy, and then there's each person's small little player board, which is just large cards, but still, once you already have those two boards, you already have a fair amount of space. This game also does come with both tokens and minis. If there's any creatures in the game, that includes the players, but it also includes the bad things like goblins or golems or demons. So all of those are these small little minis. And, you know, these would probably look beautiful if they were painted. Um, <laughs> they don't start painted. The for just as an example, the demons don't look like what you would expect a demon to look like. They look sort of like priestly. I'm not quite sure because they have like a big tall hat and a flowing robe. And there's a color picture of them in the rule book for what they should look like. And they look creepy in the color form. In the non-color form, it's really hard to tell what they are. Mm-hmm. But so they all have minis. This may come into my bias just about disliking minis and preferring like cardboard standees coming into it there. I don't know. I'm not super impressed with the minis because they don't really evoke for me as much a sense of theme as I think minis as cardboard standees would, but you can't have cardboard standees for this number of things because there's a lot, a lot on the board. You could have maybe had cardboard tokens for everything. Currently there's cardboard tokens for fire, for ice, for ghosts, for haunts, for water, for all the different portals that'll summon the enemies. So there's already a whole bunch of cardboard. And I don't know if they could have made even more cardboard for all of the different types of, of creatures. Unclear. I think that the idea with those is that the creatures move around the board. So anything that moves is a mini, whereas anything that spawns more things is a piece of cardboard. I think was the logic that they were going for there. But the game does come with all those minis and a whole pile of cardboard. It is it is quite component heavy, which ends up with a pretty heavy box. Um, hmm. In terms of replayability, although it uses every room, every game, it does not use every disaster card or every spell card every game. It only uses about half in every game. And it will take you a good 8, 9, 10 games until you've seen every card there, I think. Um, hard to tell because I've never gone through and like counted it. For me, when I was mm-hmm. starting it out, I was kind of careful to not spoil cards for myself. If over the course of a scenario I had not interacted with a spell, I would put it back in the box and I would not have ever learned or saw what that spell does. So for quite a number of games, I would still not know the broad extent. So if I'm trying to figure out, well, is there any way to beat ice of the things that I've seen and have ever experienced in the game? There is this way. There may be more. And lo and behold, that game, there happened to be another one that came out. That was another way to deal with ice, a new type of spell that I had never seen before. Yep. I like playing games the same way and being surprised, especially like when I play a glory of the rings card game. Um, when I play a new scenario, I will not look ahead and see what the, what happens next in the adventures. Mm-hmm. in each stage until I get to it. And, and it makes a lot more fun. I imagine Arkham Horror is the same way. Arkham Horror is the same way, although yep. once you've seen it, at that point in time, it becomes a game to try and do better. 
Mm-hmm. With this one, you have but to the see the initial play. Yeah, the initial play true in Arkham Horror. But with this one, you you play your first game of it, um, and you see the whole scenario, but you have no idea what spells there are, and there may be spells and disaster cards that you've never seen. And sometimes those disaster cards, because you've never seen them, you can't account for them, and they can just be very damaging. But mm-hmm. each of the scenarios also gives a different feel. Like one of the scenarios is demon binding. When you're trying to bring out a demon, the demon are the most dangerous threat available in the game. They essentially try to make a beeline to kill you, kill you or kill the academy as fast as possible. That is what they do. And they are the most dangerous. And that one, you have to summon one to win the game, and then you have to kill it to win the game. And you have to kill it in a very specific place. It is playing with fire. And it's, it's a lot of fun. That particular scenario is a lot of fun. And so you see the whole scenario, you know what's coming, but you don't necessarily know what all the spells you have available to you are. So with this specific demon example, there are spells that help deal with demons or move them around or block them that would help you with the goal, with the scenario, but you may not necessarily know that they're there. You may not ever seen them or know that such things even exist in the game. And the discovery of that for me is a lot of fun. The different players all have their own minis, because each of the players also has a special power and a special affinity with one of the different types of spells, which means that they automatically boost that. Um, which essentially means that when you're boosting a spell, either you're in a room that boosts it or you're a character that boosts it, the spell becomes more powerful. So each one of them does have a unique different player power, um, which does add to the asymmetrical nature of the game. And the game also comes with something that I'm trying to replicate for Arkham Horror, actually, which are these little uh, corridor tokens that are used solely to help you point out where you go from one one room to the other, because there's a lot of different doorways. And having a set of extra tokens that show you which doorways are open and which are closed means that it's easier for you to see how the whole game interacts with one to the other. Mm-hmm. So that's talking about all the components. I like the minis in there. They're perfectly fine minis. They they don't, especially the demon, doesn't really evoke a sense of theme to me about feeling the threat of the demon. But they're perfectly fine minis. The cardboard is is good quality cardboard. I wish that the um the glyphs had a more consistent scheme for how I could refer to them. Because the box refers to them as Glyph 1, Glyph 2, Glyph 3, Glyph 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. But I don't want to call them 1, 2, 3, because there's nothing that associates 1 through 7 to me. Number 3, for instance, is what I call, or number 5, for instance, is what I call the C token. It doesn't appear at all to look like a 5, so there's nothing associated to the number. I'd rather that they all looked sort of like a stylized A through F or all looked like mm-hmm. a stylized one through seven, or that there was some sort of theme, like for each glyph, the number of points or lines in it was its glyph number or something to sort mm-hmm. of unify it. So that it's clear to me what it's all being referred to. Instead, I just call it the X glyph and have to make do with that. So I wish that were there. I wish that the, that were there. But in terms of how the components are designed, I really, I have no fault or complaint about it. Everything is nice and chunky and all sorts of pretty colors and theme. I, you know, they really, the art in the game is lovely. 
um, really evokes the mystery and magic of it, the mana crystal and the workshop. Each individual tile has its own piece of art. Each character has its own piece of art. Um, there's no art on the disaster cards or the spell cards, or most of the spell cards. There doesn't need to be. They're all already mini cards that would hurt the design, I think, if they had it. But gorgeous looking game. Really pretty. Really like the design on it. Uh, so that's talking about all the components. And then the boards themselves, there's, there's two separate boards, which they're both huge. The, um, the board for the academy, um, strangely, the art on the board has like this coffee stain type thing on the board itself. And every time I pull it out, I'm like, oh no, I stained the board. Oh no, that's, that's actually just <laughs> part of it. Um, but the board itself, it's just, bland and white the board for the spells which doesn't need to fade into the background um kind of does there's nothing special about it it's got like a picture of this castle off in the background i think if anything like that's the that 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 would be the worst part of it is that board but it's not you know you, you don't spend very much time looking at that particular board you spend a lot more time looking at the spells on it and trying to remember everything involved over there let me talk a bit more about my comments about learning the rules and the gameplay of it. Everything, every threat involved here does something different. The demons act differently. They want to just make a beeline. The imps are immune to fire and can steal stuff from you. And when they activate, they go into separate route. The trolls block down rooms. The fire sets fire and activates this way. The water makes it harder to get through things. Darkness does this. Haunt does this. Ice does this. Portals do this. Each one of them has a separate thing. And each one of them has about a half a page in rules for what it is that they do. I'd say that's probably my biggest issue with the game. There's a memory component to this game. You have to remember where the spells are. And assuming you're playing the game as designed, that means that you have to keep track of your strategy and what it is that you're doing, how the threats themselves interact now when a threat happens, and still have enough brain space in your head to remember where all those spells are on the spell board. Personally, when I play the game... (laughs) solo especially it's too hard for me to keep all that in track and i'll put down i'll I'll cheat um and put down a marker to show that i've seen what that spell is and i'll leave it up to me to remember what the spell is because i can't keep track of everything else because the interaction level of all the different types of things it's too hard and too complex to remember all of that and the rules Mm -hmm. There's the back of the player boards is a quick sheet for all of the interactions, but it's just an order of the interactions. There's no quick sheet, which tells me very briefly what all the troll things do. Everything that a troll does, it's not there. So I have to constantly open up the rule book and reference the rule book to be like, Oh, he's activated. He does this. Oh, this is his interaction. This is what he blocks. Oh, this is how he attacks the mana crystal. And I'm constantly having to open it up because 
it's complex. Like, for instance, trolls are immune to water, and imps are immune to fire, and imps will put out fire when they have magic accessible to them. That's not sort of stuff that's like, oh, trolls always do that in every game. But trolls are big, dumb, and stupid. In every game, they're big, dumb, and stupid. So trolls in this one, they don't hurt you. That's an easy one to remember. But the fact that they're immune to water is the sort of stuff that I had to constantly look up. Or how they um, activate, I have to constantly look up. And you're constantly activating them, too, because a lot of your threat cards just activate all the threats in that room. Constantly Mm. had to look that up. If the game would have had a better short summary for that or a better way of streamlining all that, that would have been nice. Um, but otherwise the rules as written are really pretty good. They are very good at explaining the game. The game has, there's a two rule book thing that they do for that. And I'm, I'm really liking the fantasy flights doing that. And I think it was a good choice to do that here. There's a core rule book, which comes with a family. I don't think they could call it a family version, but it's a quick start rules, a basic version of the game. And some of the cards are specifically, noted to use these for the quick start version of the game this takes out a bunch of the complexity of the game but lets you learn a bit about some of the interactions and some of how to play before it teaches you and so that's sort of like a a learn how to play type part and then it goes to the advanced rules which gives you the full version of the game and lets you pick a scenario and start using that I really like how they did that. And then they put a grimoire, which is a book for all the reference for all the different rooms are all there. Special spells or more complex spells are there. All the threat types are there. So that's a whole separate book other than the rules. So splitting that up and how they did it, especially with that quick start, the easy version of the game to just let you learn how was an excellent thing to put into this game and made it really easy to learn how to get into the game, to get into the game fast and simple. I just really wish there was a better, short, concise summary by threat type for what it is everything can do to help me keep my brain space available for the game. Mm-hmm. So where would you rate this on thinkiness level, on 1 to 10? It sounds like it's pretty high up. Thinkiness level? Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about what thinkiness level means. I've just invented a new rating. <laughs> yes, I just invented that. Let's we let's talk about what thinkiness level means. You sort of have to have an overarching strategy, but this is not a war game. There's a lot of luck and randomness in this. Because if you pull a disaster card that can totally mess with your plans, you you're out. There's a lot of luck and randomness that can be involved in this game, and also about how threats continue to spawn and where they would move to. There's a lot of luck and randomness in the game. But on the other hand, you do have to have a plan for how you're going Mm -hmm. through this. So, mm, you know, somewhere just above Pandemic, I'd say. Okay. It's not not about that it's a lot of thinkiness. You just need a lot of headspace to keep track of all of it. Yep. See, I was just thinking of Pandemic the Cure. And almost comparing it to that because, yeah, there's a lot of chaos and randomness because you don't know what you're going to roll. But at the same time, you have to plan carefully and go to the right places and choose the right things. It's not that level of chaos and randomness. Pandemic, the cure, is pure chaos and randomness. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of chaos and randomness. It's somewhere between Flashpoint, Fire Rescue, and Pandemic in your terms of randomness. There's more randomness than, than Pandemic because of that threat deck. 
But on the other hand, a lot of those of that randomness can be mitigated. Like we were playing one game where another guy in the game, a random card sent him off outside. That's why I said parentheses 17, by the way. There's one room that starts the game outside of the game. Outside of the outside of the academy. So a random card sent him outside of the academy. And he was like, oh, there is no way that I can get out of here. I am trapped here. I am stuck. I give up. We have <laughs> lost. We are done for. That's it. I quit. This guy says. And he just got totally salty that the the random draw of it had, he felt, defeated him. But there's a rule. At any point in time, you can spend a mana point to do an emergency recall and put yourself back in the mana chamber. And we said, calm down. We will use the rule. We will use an emergency recall. We will bring you back in. That was our second last mana point, and we could not lose our last one. But we refreshed the mana by discarding some cards from the threat deck. We went through. We finished the game. It was a really close thing. It was really <laughs> tense. It was a really tough game. But it was a lot of fun to me. He was super salty <laughs> because he felt the game had just dealt him a raw hand. There was nothing he could do about it. There's a lot of mitigation that you can do about these things. There's a lot of randomness. There's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of mitigation. There's a lot of tools that you're at, at, at your fingertips to grab. There's a lot of spells you can do to move stuff around or to teleport. And there's always the chance to use mana points to really fix things. The, the mana points, as long as you've got a couple hanging around, you can fix just about anything with those mana points. Granted, hmm, okay. that means you're a lot more likely to lose, but you're never without options. You may have to suicide, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you always have options. So I'm not okay. going to say it's like Pantan of the Cure, where the randomness can leave you with absolutely nothing you do to mitigate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the- no comment. <laughs> but I mean, I know some people like are not a fan of Flashpoint Fire Rescue because that game has randomness a lot more than, say, Pandemic, whereas Pandemic mm-hmm. is really a lot of controlled. This is not mm-hmm. Pandemic. The randomness can certainly mess you up. The randomness can totally blow your game. But that's okay. fun for me. I like interacting yeah. with that. I like interacting with all that randomness and all those threats. I really like that. You know, that that definitely depends on the game, I think. It, the right game and the right time, even. Some games, the randomness drives me crazy. Some I don't mind at all. And, you know, sometimes it's not even like it's that different. Um, just for some reason, I don't like how it works out. Probably because I lose too much or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's interesting. That sounds, neat. That sounds like a neat game. Me personally, I'm also a fan of the memory aspect of this game. I don't know what your thoughts would be on that. But it does require you to sort of stretch your memory and try and keep track of things and where things are. There have been a good number of times I'm like, that card is there. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. That sounds like that could be fun. The, you know, that, that'll favor some people over others. I've, what was it the last time I played a random game? Or a memory game? Was, um, it's been ages. Shadows over Count Out the Card game? That has a memory aspect in it. No? It's mm-hmm. a small card, and you know it's been so long. I don't even remember how to play it, but I remember it was fun. You know, it's just if it's done right, it's a fun me- mechanism. It is a fun mechanism. It it adds a certain level of difficulty, but I mean, like you know, this could be because 
I have children. I think about these sort of things, but we get games and it like says on the back of the game, teach your child how to count and keep track and play by sets. And I'm like, look, this is a box that gives you skills. It enhances your memory. Why are we complaining? Yeah. It's a good thing. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I like the memory aspect. It just sometimes it's hard for me to keep the headspace for everything. I, I know that there's some people who have on BGG, like the two page summary, listed which i've printed off and i use it works it's okay it doesn't look it doesn't look pretty as compared to the rest of the game like the rest mm-hmm. of the game looks nice but i don't think there's any way to really do that i mean if you've ever played like castles of burgundy or something like that um where it has the game rules but then on the side it has like the brief summary of things like you know agricola also has that or caverna a brief summary of things so you can look back and and quickly refresh your memory on what something is having that in the game would have helped but mm-hmm. i don't know that's that's my really only main complaint is just the amount of headspace that it it requires can be taxing but I am really enjoying this game. The different scenarios and the amount of replayability and the puzzle aspect of this. If you've listened to me, you know I love sitting mm-hmm. on these puzzles and thinking how to work out the solution and how to get through this. I love the puzzle. And this may very well be the best game of 2016 I've played so far. Wow, I, okay. I really like this game. I really like this game. The interactions, the scenarios, every scenario feels unique. Every scenario feels like it does something different. And there's a different feel to it, whether you're playing with fire or you're trying to mess with the blockers or you're doing an escort mission or you're swapping player powers with other characters or you have a higher than normal amount of botches and botches keep coming out and your main level of difficulty is botches and different games are different. There have been games where I was just flooded with imps one game, but other games where there was almost no imps, but I just could not keep the fire out. The The house mm-hmm. just kept getting caught on fire and different games have felt very different because of the different threat decks. A threat deck will sort of help build the nature of the, of the game, what you're going to be facing. And each time it's different and I'm I'm loving it. Great. Beautiful game. Really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you really are. And so so you think it's even better than Arkham Horror? Um Arkham Horror Arkham Horror is an expansion. The core box game. If I had my choice between whether I want to get just the core box of Arkham Horror or just the core box of Wizards Academy. It's funny that you're talking about this. I would probably say there's <laughs> more game in Wizards Academy than just the core box of Arkham Horror. There's not a lot of deck building potential in Arkham Horror. There's not... Once you've done the first scenario, you've basically done it. You can't build more decks, and you're limited to only two players with Arkham Horror. Mm-hmm. This one, you have to play multi-handed if you're playing Solitaire. But it's a co-op. There's no there's no difficulty in doing that. But it's one to five, I think, with no issues. Doesn't really change the amount of downtime significantly because you're all involved in everyone's turn. There's a lot more in this box than there is in Arkham Horror. 
but I'm into Arkham Horror because I'm into Arkham Horror for the building experience, the subscription, the continuing to grow and build your deck and, th- and continue to try and challenge yourself with new things and get more cards and continue interacting. That mm-hmm. is, that feeds a very different bug than this one. I would almost okay. say if you're wanting Arkham Horror for a one box and done, do not get Arkham Horror. If you want a one box and done, there's a ton of replayability and a ton of challenge in Wizards Academy. Yep. So Wizards Academy is about a $70 game. Arkham Horror is about 30 probably with the first big expansion. It'll be about $70 also. Mm-hmm. And I don't so, think I would even even review, do a full review of Arkham Horror until the first expansion of the first Mythos packs come out. Sometime in January is probably the first time you'll see a review of that mm-hmm. for me. Okay. So there you go. But yeah, I mean, just in terms of one box and done, and I think if you're looking for a card game, by the way, uh, and you want an inexpensive card game, I'd still refer back to uh, Warhammer Quest, because I think that there's more in the core box of Warhammer Quest adventure card game than there is in the core box of Arkham Horror. Yeah, but I want to get something that's going to go on for a while, maybe. Plus, I just like the Cthulhu stuff. Wizards Academy is not going on for a while. I've heard no mention about an expansion. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Hmm. You know, I, I guess at this point I have to accept that they're probably not going to expand the older Arkham Horror anymore. <laughs> I kept holding out hope, but now that you mean the big box, another, yeah, the big box. Not that they've made another game with the same name, and that they've got the uh, Eldritch Horror. It's just not going to happen. I don't know. I think I've seen a couple expansions coming out for it. I don't think so. No, I keep seeing expansions. Oh, Arkham Horror expansion. Oh, wait, that's a card game. Ooh, Arkham Horror expansion. Oh, that's a card game. Ooh, Arkham Horror! Oh, that's Eldritch Horror. <laughs> well, I mean, I like the deck building aspect of Arkham Horror, the little mm-hmm. card game. That's a totally oh, yeah. separate thing. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that something is weighing heavily on your mind, Albert. Yes, <laughs> you notice I keep coming back to this, huh? Darn that Arkham Horror! <laughs> yeah, I'm sure at some point I'm going to end up owning it. It's just a matter of how far out that is. So setting aside Albert's um, single-minded fascination with Arkham Horror, <laughs> I believe that we've covered Wizards Academy. I give it a huge thumbs up. Huge thumbs up. Um, I know that there are certainly other people in my pot in my gaming group, though, that give it a huge thumbs down. <laughs> Fair <laughs> warning. <laughs> because they don't like the randomness. They don't like the uncontrollability and how, you know, each game can be very different. And I, I you know... I may ha- never see fire at all in this game, or fire may come out, and the spellboard may give me absolutely no way to deal with that fire. That mm-hmm. that may very well happen, and they they don't like how uncontrolled it is, as opposed to pandemic, which is what they were talking about. That pandemic is a more pure game because it's a controlled experience, and I can get better at it, and I can learn about the game. Whereas with this one, I can't. I, I, you know, <laughs> very different things may happen. I'm like, that's perfect. That's great. So, fair warning, your opinions may differ from mine, but mine is that this is a great game and well worth getting and taking a look at. Wizards Academy. Okay, well, I will. I will look more into it. it does sound Ian? It looks nice. I like the style of the art. I don't. Yeah, I have only seen the cover really, but I, it looks great. <laughs> and I like that you could be a bear. Ah, you're a bear. <laughs> Ooh, we even got a bear uh, battle cry. Cool. <laughs> Are you saying that's the battle cry? That, that might be. Uh, you should do that every time you play 
or I'm a bear. <laughs> yep, there you go. Perfect. So you're okay. saying So you're saying that what the game is missing is a battle cry? <laughs> it might be. Or something else. Alright, what we're going to do now is we're going to do the What's It Missing game, which mm-hmm. we do just about every time we meet up here. Albert and I play a little game about arguing what is a game missing, because after all, every game must be missing something. And today we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about Wizard Academy and what it's missing, and each time we will pick random words submitted by our listeners uh, for as long as that list of words holds out. So please feel free to submit more words so that we will have them accessible to us. Mm-hmm. And give me just a moment while we randomly select our two lucky words for today. Mm. While Albert goes and figures out if he's actually posted any of these for like the last month. Yeah, I, I have not for a while. Let me see what's the last one I posted. I'll tell you that. We may have not covered it on the show. Uh, yes, we, we've we been failing a little bit on that side of this. In t- and boy, I am doing so bad at sending out dice. That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> That's what I do during the holiday break. Send out dice. That's what I say now. Actually, I'm having family visiting when I'm during the holidays, so I may be too busy. Guild forums. What's it missing? One eleven is the last one I posted. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we covered this one. Is the game missing silver hawks or umbrellas? And this was the Lord of the Rings, the adventure card game. So the two words for today. First is Albert, submitted by Lynn. He is going to be talking about scary clowns. Ah! And mine is submitted by Jason Clark. And I am going to be talking about challenge coins. This one sounds like it was <laughs> submitted a while back when... We were having those one-player guild challenge coins. So quite nice to put in there. So I have challenge coins, and Albert has um, scary clowns. Albert, do you wish to go first or second? I I always want to go first. You always want to go first. Mm -hmm. I see no point in stalling. Albert, are you ready? I am ready. I get 20 seconds on the clock. Set, go. Okay, so this game is a fantasy setting. You can play bears and goblins and people and all sorts of things. Um, and it's a little whimsical. And so what this game needs is a little bit of darkness, a little bit of scary clownage going on. Um, it would really ratchet up the tension in this game. It would really make the memory aspect much tougher because you're always worried about when Stop. these scary clowns are going to show up. Here we go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I have a rebuttal. Go. Do you? Um. I think having another type of threat in here would just be complete overkill and would completely overemphasize all of the existing threats. Instead, what we need is another player power to discover, and that is the spell of the challenge coin, that you get to flip coins and do all sorts of random effects and totally enjoy just stuff flying everywhere. Done. <laughs> I I see. Um, Rebuttal? Well, you know- no, I'm not going to argue against challenge coins. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. 
feel, um, I feel like you're undermining <laughs> your primary method of income, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm getting ready to do another one next year, right? Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to do it soon. Need to come up with an image for it. Another challenge coin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the 2017 edition. And, you know, 2017 is just four weeks away. Of course, I'm, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to do this in January. Later on at some point. <laughs> I'm not ready. Not ready. We can't take it anymore. <laughs> Alrighty, so everyone should get online and vote about whether or not you think Wizards Academy can use scary mm-hmm. clowns or a challenge coin. If we put up a poll, you know, maybe we should just put up the poll right now. That's you know, ridiculous. That's, that's ridiculous. You can't put up the <laughs> We've poll. We've never now. tried that, have we? Put it in no, up right away? No. They could start voting even though it won't be around for a week. You're probably gonna you're probably just gonna have them vote based on the pictures you put up if you do that. You've gone mute. Why'd you go mute? There. Hello? I said, I said, you're probably just going to make them vote based on the pictures you put up if you do that. I'll win. Scary clowns can be scary. General, 1P115. Unfair. (laughs) I call for a recount. (laughs) That's it. Missing. I call for a recount. Early. Popular vote only, please. Once you've heard episode 115... Coming out in a week or so. Come back here and vote. <laughs> and then, and now I'm not even going to say who does what. No, so don't does. do that. You don't. Don't do it. Why not? Don't do it. I wish I could save it and have it posted in a week. Well, I'll, so here's what happens every time I publish. Not every time I listen to the episode, it gets to the point where we have the the contest, and I remember. Oh yeah, I got to go post this now. And that's when I post it. So why not post at least for the last one that we just did on there I haven't, right now? I haven't finished hearing it. I don't know what the items are. I don't remember. Um, I mean, that's that's my problem is I haven't been able to keep up. I should. I mean, it should be on the drive. I could just post a question on the guild. It's been a while. Can anybody tell me what was argued? I'll set up a poll. Alrighty. So thanks everyone for listening. Yep, <laughs> we're still recording. Oh my gosh! Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast dot com or JL Bird on BGG, and Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast dot com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast dot com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. Ah, you're a bear.